We're glad that you made it here in the right location. Um, but tonight, man, you guys are in for a major blessing. We have uh, a speaker that just is awesome and anointed and filled with God's love. And so let's just really give a warm welcome to our very own brother, Danny. He's going to come and deliver the word tonight. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, Yeah, before I get started, why don't we just uh, fill this place with the spirit of thanksgiving? Um, God is so good. And uh, if we really think about our lives, there's so much to be thankful for. Amen? I mean, just the fact that we're alive, just the fact that we're breathing, and uh, we're surrounded by so many good people, and it just goes much deeper than that. So why don't we just, for a few minutes, why don't we just tell God what we're thankful for in this room? Just go ahead right now with your voices. Just tell God how thankful you are. Yeah, Father God, we're just so thankful. We thank you, Lord, that you are just... Uh, yeah, Father God, you're so good. You've given us so much to be thankful for. Hallelujah. We thank you for tonight, God. Yeah, Father, we're just uh, so thankful, God. You've given us so much to be thankful for, Lord. And, uh, Lord, we just never want to take it for granted. And uh, we thank you for tonight, God. We thank you for just your words from heaven filling this place, God. Filling this place with your presence, your tangible manifest presence, and just your love and your peace, God. Let it fill every person. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, I heard there's been more than a thousand salvations in Bangladesh? Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is just incredible. Who went to Bangladesh? Raise your hand. Come on. Yeah, you guys are heroes. Hallelujah. And uh, yeah, just thank you for everyone who prayed for the team as they were gone. And uh, man, that's just amazing. And God's just going to take us to greater glories. Amen? Yeah, uh... I've been teaching um, children English for, uh, for a couple years now. And uh, I even taught kinder for a while. And I've taught kids like as young as three years old. And uh, man, they can't, even, they can't even speak Korean. <laughs> and I'm, I'm supposed to teach them English. And uh, it, yeah, it's a challenge. Um, you know, but there's a, there's a game that kids love. And it's called peekaboo. And, um, you know, especially if you're a child, you love it when your dad plays peekaboo with you. Amen? I mean, it's just like he covers his face, then he uncovers his face with a big smile. And there's just so, something about that, the father revealing his face with a big smile. It just brings so much joy to a child's heart. And I think that's just a prophetic picture of what God does for us sometimes. You know, sometimes he just unveils our eyes. Sometimes he just reveals his nature afresh. He just reveals his face, another part of his character, and uh, with just a big smile on his face. And it brings so much joy. Amen? So as a prophetic act that tonight God is just going to play peekaboo with us, why don't you just turn to your neighbor, play a game of peekaboo. Go ahead. All right, do it again, but make a a really silly face this time. Really silly face. Do it again. Hallelujah. Father, would you just come tonight and just play peekaboo with us, God? Just reveal your face, God. Just reveal another aspect of your, your nature, your character. Show us how much you love us. Hallelujah. Yeah, why don't you just put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. And uh, just say, Father, fill him up. Fill him up, Lord. I pray for the new wine tonight. Fill him up with joy. Fill him up with your love. 
Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah, um, this room is just filled with just mighty men and women of God. I mean, when I see you guys, I just see a mighty army. I mean, you guys are you guys are heroes, and you guys have amazing destinies. Did you know that? And I want to talk about something tonight, an aspect of God's character is nature. In order for us to live out our destiny in its fullest, um, I believe we need something, and that's called excellence. And if we can see our destinies in the eyes of God and His perspective, it's so amazing. And if you can see what God sees in your destiny, none of you would be disappointed. Did you know that? But you see, He formed your destiny in a way that it requires excellence. And even if you look at the the seven mountains, who's on top of these mountains are people who are excellent. And in order to take these mountains, some of you are called to the top of the mountain. And what God is requiring is that we would be men and women of excellence. And so I want to talk about tonight is excellence because it's so vital in our walk with God. Amen? Amen. So I just want to go back all the way to the beginning of the Bible. It's Genesis chapter 1. And uh, it's one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. It's just so awesome how God just created the heavens and the earth. And, you know, he created the earth, created the heavens. He saw that it was good. He created the, the birds of the air, and he saw that it was good. He created the, the animals on the land and the creatures of the sea, and he saw that it was good. But then he created man. And then it says that he blessed man. And then he gave man the first command. And you guys know what that was? What was the first thing he said to man? Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And then he gave man dominion over all the creatures of the earth. It says all living things on the earth. And then it says, behold, it was very good. You see, there's something about walking with authority on this earth in excellence, being fruitful, that God can look down and say, behold, it is very good. And you know what? I looked up that word behold in the Bible. I looked it up in the Greek. Do you know what it means? It means behold. (laughs) He beheld and he's like, wow, that is very good. He didn't just see that it was good. He he beheld. Amen? Amen. And so the first thing we have to notice about this verse, it says that, and God blessed them. And for, in order for us to be fruitful and multiply, we have to know that we are blessed. We have to know that you are blessed and you are a blessing. Your identity has to be rooted that you are a son and you are blessed. And that you have the authority of heaven backing you up. You know, the definition of excellence is the quality of being outstanding or extremely good. So I'll just read uh, Genesis one twenty eight one more time. It says, And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. But if I can summarize this in two words, I would say be excellent. Be outstanding. You know, it says that we are blessed. When God created the the animals, he didn't bless it. When he created the trees, he didn't bless them. But when he created man, he blessed them. And so we've been set apart. Do you know what the word for set apart is? Holy. You guys are holy. This is difficult. You see, the world view of excellence is being better than other people. It's about accomplishing more than others. But you know, in a healthy biblical view of excellence, it's not about being better, it's not even about reaching your potential. It's about reflecting the character of God in everything that we do. And if you'll walk in that way, you'll live a life of excellence. If you're obedient to God, 
and you're walking in godly character, you can't help but to be excellent. Because God is excellent. His attributes are excellent. He's created you in His likeness. And in that, we're also created to be excellent. Amen? Hmm. Operating in godly character is what makes us excellence. You know, we're called to be excellent in two different areas, and that's inward and that's outward. We must be excellent in character, but we're also called to be excellent in deed. And there's, there's many people that are excellent in deed, but they're lacking something, the inward excellence. You even look at people like Tiger Woods. I mean, he's an excellent golfer. I mean, he reached the highest that you could reach in golf, but there was something that he was missing. That was inward excellence. And brothers and sisters, in order to live your destiny in the fullness of what God has for you, it requires inward and outward excellence. You know, we're not excellent so that we can become somebody, but we're, we're excellent because we are somebody. There's a shift in the mind that needs to take place. And see, God requires our best. Even if you look at the tithe, He requires the first fruits of our increase. He requires the best. And so what is it in your life that God is requiring today? That's my question. What is He requiring for you to give Him? What is the, the first fruits of your increase You know, the thing about God is that His love for you, it never changes. But you know what? We can affect, we can't affect His love for us, but we can affect how pleased He is with us. What do I mean? If I'm living just however I want, or if I'm just lazy all day, do you think God's going to look down and say, well done, good and faithful servant? Wow. Wow. I like the way that you watch Glee all day long. (laughs) No. You know what pleases God? Excellence. It's when we're walking in obedience. It's when we're, we're doing everything unto Him. You know what doesn't please God? Apathy, complacency, mediocrity. And uh, there's a spirit called sloth where these things are rooted, and I'll, I'll get to that a little bit later. You know, by being excellent, we're not earning the love of God, but we have the pleasure of pleasing Him. We're not motivated by gaining something from Him. We're motivated by pleasing Him. So, you know, I, I have some people in my life that I've really looked up to, and uh, one of them, his name is Jesse Fellers. And I joined a ministry called Impact World Tour um, in 99. And uh, we had several preachers that were the main preachers, and Jesse Fellers was one of them. And his life was just marked by excellence. I mean, uh, inward excellence and outward excellence. You know, he got saved radically. He heard the voice of the Lord, and he repented, and his life just was changed radically. And uh, he knew he was called to preach the gospel. And so what he did is he, he stayed home for a year. And all he did was read the Bible for a whole year. Because he wanted to get trained up. He wanted to know what the Word of God says. And you know what, what else he did? He would be in his living room. And he would set up chairs in his living room. He would pretend that it's filled with people. And he would just start preaching. He used to go to malls and just watch people and ask the Lord about them, growing in the prophetic. I mean, this man was a man of excellence. And uh, he's an awesome preacher. And he was one of my kind of mentors in, in learning how to preach the gospel. But that's not what impressed me the most. What impressed me was his inward excellence. He was so such a man of character. I mean, I couldn't find fault with this man. I would watch him, and time and time again, I would just stand in awe and say, Wow, like, really? <laughs> you can be this holy? Like, you can really, you can be this, like, amazing? Like, outwardly and inwardly? Like, it, it kind of blew my mind. 
And when, you know, when he would walk in the room, you would just feel the anointing come into the room. I mean, this man was an amazing man of God. You know who else is pretty excellent? <laughs> who watches MMA? Mixed martial arts. You know, it's like, uh, it's a mixture of like, like wrestling and, and kickboxing and jujitsu and boxing and all kinds of different uh, contact sports. And uh, it's, it's a mixture of all of them. And, uh, and they have a competition called UFC. And they have, these, uh, they have these little tournaments every three weeks, every few weeks. And uh, anyway, there's a man named Fedor Emelianenko. Has anyone heard of him? No. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> anyway, right now, now he's, uh, he's 34 years old. And he's been, uh, I think he's been fighting for 10 years. And for the first nine years, this guy was undefeated. I mean, he, he lost one fight. It's because he was bleeding and the blood wouldn't stop. But he would have he took the other guy out easy. And so, I mean, this, it's amazing to win like 31 fights in a row. I mean, that's like unheard of in the mixed martial arts world. And uh, everyone knows him as like the Michael Jordan of MMA. I mean, he is amazing. I mean, he fights guys way bigger than him, way faster than him, and uh, just better, better, you know, in jiu-jitsu, better in kickboxing, and he always ends up winning. And so, you know, I've been watching this guy for a few years, and, uh, and it's really impressive the way he fights. But again, what's really impressive about him is his humility. I mean, if you, if you watch MMA, you know it's a pretty cocky sport. I mean, these guys are cursing at each other. They're, you know, tearing down each other with the words. After they win, they're like, yeah, I took you out. And all kinds of, you know, stuff like that. But Fedor, man, he is a man of humility. After he wins a fight, you know, almost like he, he just nothing changes because he knows who he is. And, uh, you know, he was undefeated for nine years. But last year, he lost his first fight at the age of 33 years old. And uh, this year he fought again, I think February, March, and he lost another fight, two in a row. And he just fought again a week ago, and you know what? He lost another fight. Yeah, I know. I feel like that too. <laughs> and so, anyway, he lost his first fight. And they asked him, like, Fedor, why, you lost your fight. And the, the guy who beat him was amazed. Like, wow, I beat him? <laughs> they interviewed him. And, uh, and they said, like, wow, you, you, you have your, like, your first loss. You know, how do you feel? And uh, he was just, you know what? I never said I was the best. I'm just like anyone else. And uh, I'm just a man, just like anyone else. And so he lost his second fight. And again, they're like, wow, Fedor, you... You lost twice in a row now. Do you think it's time to retire? And he said, maybe, but I got to talk to my priest. I got to talk to my family. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to hear from God and see what he says. (laughs) So he comes back and fights again, and he loses again. And again, they're like, Fedor, do you think it's it's time to to hang up the gloves? He says, if it's God's will, I'm going to ask God. Which is so much humility. And in grace. And it's funny watching this guy lose because these guys feel so bad for beating him. <laughs> they're, they're like trying to console him like, man, you, you're my hero and blah, 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 blah. He's another example to me of someone who's excellent in deed and in character. You know who else is pretty excellent? Jesus. Amen. I mean, Jesus can't help but be excellent. I mean, he wasn't just excellent in character. He was excellent indeed. Everything he did was marked by excellence. You know, he was at the wedding feast, and his mom came up to him and said, Hey, son, we need more wine. He said, Oh, what does that have to do with me? It's not my time. And, uh, but again, she says, Make some wine. So he's like, Okay. 
And at this time, people are already drunk at the party. And so he could have said, yeah, I'll just make some really bad wine so no one will drink it. But he didn't. He made the best wine. Why did he make the best wine? He can't help but be excellent. He can't help but be excellent. Everything he does is marked by excellence. You know, the, some disciples were, were fishing all day. And they were throwing their nets into the water. They weren't catching anything. He said, hey, hey, guys, why don't you try throwing your net on the other side? You know what happened? They caught so many fish that their boat began to sink. And another boat had to come out and help them. See, God didn't just give them enough. He gave them abundance. Everything he does is marked by excellence. Hmm. You know, I'm, uh, I'm teaching. Uh, starting this week, I started teaching a class of like four 10-year-old girls. And they're so cute. I mean, they're really cute girls. And uh, my first day was like on Tuesday. And, um, you know, I'm teaching them. And, uh, you know, they're kind of acting up a little bit, but I'm just smiling and I'm just, you know, being really friendly to them, being really loving to them and uh, really patient. I, I mean, they're, they're raising their hand every other second. <laughs> Teacher, what about this? Teacher, what about this? It has nothing to do with the lesson. <laughs> but, you know, how, how kids' minds work. And, uh, and, you know, the cool thing is, you know, there's one assignment. They have to draw a picture of something and write a story about it. And two of the girls drew Jesus in the story. Yeah, they go to the same church. And they're just, yeah, Jesus this, Jesus that. I was like, wow. And, uh, and the funny thing is, is we were playing Hangman, and we had all our names up. And, and uh, I wrote my name with a red marker. Like, teacher, teacher, you wrote your name in red. And I guess it's like a bad thing in Korea to write a name in red. And I was like, oh, Oh, it's Jesus' blood. <laughs> and then the two girls were like, yeah, Jesus' blood. <laughs> They're like, okay, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> and then Thursday, I taught them again. So, teacher, write your name with the red marker. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, they're just so fun and so easy to love. But on, in, during the break time... Man, they would just come up to me, touch me, hug me, try to sit on my lap. I'm like trying to push him up. I said, I don't want to get fired. I don't want to get sued. (laughs) And so like, I'm like turning my body and stuff. Anyway. And you know what I realized? Kids, they're not so as, as much concerned with outward excellence as they are inward excellence. I mean, they could just sense character. They can sense kindness and purity, and they're so drawn to it. And I, I just believe that kids just love Jesus. I mean, anywhere that Jesus went, I think the kids would see him do awesome miracles. But you know what they're watching for? The way that he acts. What kind of person is Jesus, really? Yeah, he, he can do this, he can do that, but what kind of person is he? And as they watched him, they knew that Jesus, you know, he was a man of inward excellence. He was a man of character. And because of that, they just surrounded Jesus. They wanted to be around Jesus. They wanted to touch Jesus, play with Jesus. And uh, even the disciples tried to hold the children back, but he said, no, 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 let the children come. He was a man of inward and outward excellence. So there's a man named Saul, and he was a man of outward excellence. They say he was uh, head and shoulders above the rest, just like me. And uh, anyway, he became king of uh, Israel. Who said, yeah, Rona? Was that Rona? Yeah, Rona. Yeah, I'm head and shoulders above the rest of my students. (laughs) And, uh, you know, but he was lacking something. And so, you know, he would win battles and he would begin to attribute the victories to himself. And uh, Deuteronomy 
chapter 8, verse 17 and 18, it says, Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And so because of this, you know, it just created a chain reaction until eventually uh, you just know he didn't have a really good ending. And uh, David was made the new king. You see, he had the outward excellence, but what he was lacking was the, the inward excellence. And you know what? Your outward excellence might take you somewhere, but you know what will sustain you in that place? It's the inward excellence. Some of you, you have prophetic words spoken over you. You have promises. And you're like, God, why not yet? He's saying, son, if I gave it to you now, you wouldn't be able to steward it. See, he's bringing us to a place of maturity and excellence where we'll be able to steward the promises and the prophetic words that were given to us so that we can actually do what he's called us to do in that place. Yeah. Some of you wonder, why do I go through so much trials? <laughs> why do I go? It just seems like one thing after another. But do you know what's happening as you go through those trials? God is developing character. He's developing inward excellence. He is training you up. He's making you stronger, faster, bigger in the spirit. And you know, that's one of the most effective ways for us to grow in the spirit. It's through the trials. That's why it says, rejoice always. Consider it pure joy when you enter into trials of many kinds. Those of you that go through trial after trial, you should be happy. You should know you got a huge destiny. God is calling you to a, to a high place. Amen. The Word of God said He's faithful and just to complete the good work that He began in you. But you know what? It takes our cooperation. He's not just going to force it to happen. We have to have us in our spirits, we have to say yes to God. So let's just say yes to God in our spirits. You know, one of, uh, I heard of Bill Johnson say one time, one of his favorite prayers is, God, more of you at any cost. More of you at any cost. To me, that's a scary prayer. Those, those of you who are asking, God, give me more. Take me, give me this and that and break me. And man, God bless you. <laughs> man, I. A lot of you, I think you, you're partly praying in ignorance and partly praying from zeal and passion. <laughs> Which is it's good to pray. And, you know, I was watching like a healing service and Bill Johnson was leading it. And like laughter broke out. And everyone's just laughing, laughing, laughing. And, and then Bill was like, okay, now pr- pray the most dangerous prayers now. <laughs> because they were in a place where they can actually like pray it and like fully mean it and, and stuff. I was like, man, Bill, <laughs> you're a gangster. Like, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, something that, that plagues a lot of, uh, especially Asians and Asian Americans, but, you know, it affects the whole world is something called a performance-based identity. It's something I struggled with <clears throat> for many years. And uh, for me, it came because the way that I grew up, you know, if I did something well, if I performed well, you know, I would get a reward. I would receive the love of my parents. But if I didn't perform well, if I messed up in some kind of way, my dad would give me a beating. And so I began to, what began to form in my mind is that my identity is based on the things that I'm good at, how much I can achieve. If I can achieve a lot, if I can be the best, that means I'm worth a lot. And you know what? That's how a lot of Asians kind of raise their kids. Because they, they think if I raise them this way, they'll, they'll have a high education, they'll have a, high, a great paying job, their future will be secure. 
But what they don't know, what they don't realize, that it's affecting their identity. And so what happens is that when someone with this performance-based identity, they don't perform well, they, they begin to feel down, depressed, sad. They begin to feel like they're not worth much. <laughs> they begin to feel left out, like people don't care about them. And you know what? That's not, that's not how God looks at us. And so, the results of a performance-based identity and a person moving in a spirit of excellence may look similar on the outside, but in the inside, it's vastly different. And I just want to contrast some of the differences here. In one, constantly searching for significance. In the other, you're operating from a place of significance. In one, you are who you are because of what you do. In the other, you do what you do because of who you are. In one, you get your identity in the things you excel in. In the other, you excel because of your identity. In one, accomplishing great things leaves you empty and wanting more. In the other, accomplishing great things leaves you filled with joy and thankfulness. And you, you know, that's what it was like for me. I would want to achieve this level or this level, but I was never satisfied when I got there. I always felt like I needed to be better. I needed more. And it will leave you empty. In one, you need and feed off the acknowledgement of your successes. In the other, when you are acknowledged for your successes, you are thankful, but your, your identity is unfazed. In one, you feel the need to tell people about your accomplishments. In the other, you tell people about your accomplishments to give God glory and encourage people. In one, it's about being the best. In the other, it's about choosing the best. In one, it's the motive is to gain value. In the other, the motive is worship. You know, the word says, do everything as worship unto God. Do everything unto God. And it's your, it's your spiritual act of worship. <laughs> yes. In one, you operate from an orphan spirit. In the other, you're operating from a spirit of sonship. One tries to impress and to prove something. The other tries to improve. In one, it's about your own abilities and what you can accomplish. And in the other, it's about his abilities and what he's already accomplished on the cross. You know, Paul says in Corinthians 12.9, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It's not about how strong you are. Paul even said, I'm a weak man. It's not about my abilities, but I will boast in the strength of the Lord. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Saints, it's not about your ability to accomplish. It's about his ability. It's about being who you are and Jesus being who he is. So, you know, I had this performance-based identity. And it wasn't until around 2006 that I started to get freedom from it. And so a ministry team came down to the YWAM base, and they were ministering to some of us. And uh, I was being ministered to by this, this couple, and uh, they were just reading my mail. They were saying, hey, you have a performance-based identity. And I was like, the first time I ever heard about it. And so they, we began to pray, and I was getting counseling and being set free. And uh, slowly but surely, I was being set free from this. And, uh, and I have to admit, I still have a bit of it in me. I'm not completely set free of it yet, but it's vastly better than it used to be. But what I noticed is this, is that as I've been set free, because, you know, a performance-based identity is a huge drive for people to achieve. That's a huge drive. It's a driving force. I mean, you're, you're hungry to achieve things because your identity is rooted in it. And you're so hungry to be someone, to feel loved, that you're going to strive for these things. And so what happened is that's what I did. And uh, I tried to be the best in my dancing and everything that I, I could do. But uh, when I was being set free of this, 
I realized something. I have a lot of laziness <laughs> in me. And I couldn't see it before because my drive to succeed was a lot bigger than my laziness. <laughs> but what I began to recognize is as I was set free from the spirit of uh, performance, I realized I wasn't, I wasn't training as hard. I wasn't trying as hard. Because my identity wasn't rooted in it. So, so why do I have to train so hard in this and that? You know, I'm, I'm confident in who I am. I think I'll just watch Gossip Girl. I think I'll just chill out and just relax. And I was like, man, I realized, man, I'm, I'm kind of lazy. I didn't see it before because it was overshadowed by my performance-based identity. And let me tell you today that sloth is an enemy of excellence. It is an enemy of excellence. Some of you, you think, oh, it's just my personality trait to be lazy. That is not a God-given personality trait. That does not come from God. I mean, if you're spending hours a day watching videos on the Internet, you know, I don't know. You may be dealing with some laziness, okay? Now, sloth. It can, be a, it can be defined as spiritual laziness. It can also be defined as physical laziness. And it's actually defined as apathy. And do you know what apathy is? It's a lack of feeling, a lack of spiritual feeling. And so what, this, what sloth does is it when, it, when it inhabits, well, not inhabit, as it comes against you, you just don't feel like, I don't feel like praying I don't feel like reading my word. I don't feel like going to that prayer meeting. I don't feel like going to Friday fire. Oh, but I have to. Oh, but I don't feel like it. Oh, but I have to. Okay, I'll go. And so, it's kind of the whatever happens, happens attitude. And you know, in the story of the talents, the king gives the talents to the three guys, and one guy just buries it. He's just lazy. He just buries it. Oh, I don't want to... Don't want to invest. This is the safe way to do it. I'll just always go the safe way because it's comfortable. But what happens is when the king comes back, the two guys, you know, they have some interest, and the other guy just gives them the one talent and, and uh, he says, You wicked servant. You know, sloth, people define it as one of the seven deadly sins. Like, it is detestable to God. Sloth is detestable to God. But you know what? We think it's, oh, it's not a big deal. I'm just, I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not falling into sin. Well, actually, it is a sin. (laughs) And you know what? I think a lot of people just got way too comfortable with their laziness. But God hates it. And He wants us to rise up against our laziness. And it's robbing us of our future. It's robbing us of our destiny. It's robbing you from excellence. And if you will if you'll come against sloth, I'm telling you, you'll see these prophetic words come to fulfillment quicker. You'll see yourself walking your destiny quicker. I'm telling you. Some of you you're like, how come man, I had this word for like ten years. Well stop watching Glee like ten ten hours a day. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, we kind of laugh about it, but it's it's kind of a big deal. I'm going to read Romans chapter 12 verses 9 through 13. It says, "Love let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor." Man, what if we were a church that outdid each other in showing honor? What would that look like? What would that look like? Oh, you bought him this? Well, I'm going to buy him this. You know what I mean? You just, you just can't wait to show honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. It's the opposite spirit is fervency. You know, the fervent Prayers of the righteous avail much. I didn't say the prayers of the righteous. It's the fervent prayers of the righteous avail much. 
Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. But I want to sum it up again. Be excellent. Be excellent. In all that you do, be excellent. Some of you, you go to Hogwarts, you just don't like your managers. And they probably don't treat you right. And so you just want to do enough and leave. But God is saying, be excellent. Because you're not doing it for man, you're doing it for God. It doesn't matter who you're doing it for. It doesn't matter what that act is. You can. I like what Heidi Baker says, that when she, if she clean, cleans the toilet, it's holy, holy, holy unto God. If she's eating, it's holy, holy, holy unto God. And it is. It's, it's worship. When you're doing it unto God, it's holy unto God. And he takes it as worship. So next time, you know, this, you're, you're offended. You just don't want to do it. Remember, you're not doing it for that person. You're doing it for God. Amen? You know, excellence is about being obedient, stripping off every weight of sin. In other words, repent. First key to being excellence is repent. Sin is like a weight that just holds you down. If we would just obey God, we would be excellent inward and outwardly. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Amen. Guys, let's just get rid of every sin. Let's just get rid of all of it. There's no such thing as a little sin. In fact, it's the little foxes that ruin the whole vineyard. I'm telling you guys, if you have sin in your lives, just get rid of it. I mean, the devil seeks to kill, steal, and destroy, and you know how he'll do it? By just a little bit of sin here, a little bit of sin here, and all of a sudden you're way farther into it than you ever thought you would be. Tonight, guys, tonight, just, just get rid of it. Another key, do it unto the Lord. Colossians 3.23, it says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Another key is you need to meditate on the Word. Guys, you need to meditate on the Word. Meditate. Don't just read it. Meditate on the Word. In other words, you have to read the Bible. (laughs) You have to open it first. You need to read it, and you need to meditate. Philippians 4, says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In other words, you are what you behold. You become what you behold. And we are to behold the things that are excellent. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success. Meditation. Meditating on the Word. Making it a part of you. Mm. And another key, persevere. Don't give up. I like what Darlene Cunningham, um, the wife of the founder, Lauren Cunningham, she, she likes to talk about the I won't quit spirit. The I won't quit spirit. Everyone repeat after me. I won't quit. I won't quit. I have an I won't quit spirit. I have an I won't quit spirit. Joshua 1.9, which is the next verse from Joshua 1.8, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that's a promise for all of you. That's a promise that some of you, you just need to grab onto today. You just need, some of you, you just need a little bit of hope. Some of you, you just, you're crying out for hope. That's what you need. And tonight, I believe the Lord wants to fill you with fresh hope. Amen. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4 says, James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings, count it all joy. My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness 
And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Why are you going through these trials? God is making you perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So be joyful, brothers and sisters. Be joyful. First Peter 5.10, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And last verse, Galatians 6, verses 7 through 10 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whoever one, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap, uh, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Brothers and sisters, do not give up. Do not give up, for in due season, you're going to reap a mighty harvest. (laughs) It's going to be a joyous day. I mean, it's going to be... When you reap the harvest, you're going to look back and say, it was well worth it. It was well worth it. Every bit of it. It was worth it. Excellence isn't about being the best, the most talented, the most successful. It's, about, it's not about how much you have. It's about how much he has in realizing you are a son. And that, he, and that he has and what he has is yours. It's about being a living sacrifice, which is worship unto him. The key to taking the seven mountains is excellence. And it's found in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. It says, Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And one more verse, Colossians four twelve It says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. So that's what we're going to do tonight, guys. We're going to pray. And we're going to stand in the gap for one another. And so I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. And uh, if someone can come up on and play some worship. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Tonight's altar calls for three uh, different groups of people. It's for those who are living in sin. And tonight is just the night to get rid of it. You know, some of you in here that's been struggling with sin and you've repented and you've fallen back into sin, you've repented again and you wonder why you keep falling into the same sin. Let me submit to you that it might be because you really haven't repented. <laughs> repented requires change. Repented means repentance means changing your mind. And if you're if you're saying if you're coming to God and you're sorry, you're genuinely sorry. You say, God, I'm I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm repenting from this sin. And then you just try your hardest not to do it again. But brothers and sisters, you need to change your lifestyle. You need to change. There needs to be a change in your mind. Your paradigm needs to shift. You know, I'll I'll tell you about one of my struggles. I used to struggle with lust. It's something I struggled with many years. And I would repent. And then I would repent again. And I would repent again. But then I realized old patterns result in old bondages. And so what I did... (laughs) I made, a, I made a decision and a commitment. I said, you know what? The spirit of lust has an appetite. And I can't feed even a little bit to the spirit of lust. Not even a little bit. So I decided, you know what? I'm not even going to look at girls anymore. That's what I said. I made a decision. I'm not even going to look at girls. Even if it's not in a lustful way because it can feed the appetite. Because I've been vulnerable in this area. But you know what? 
that was that was probably the strongest key that helped me to break free because i made a change some of you, you need to make a change some of you you need to stop hanging out with people that are influencing you to fall into the sin you need some of you need to cut off relationships some of you, you need to set stronger boundaries some of you, you just need to not stand on the edge of the cliff you have to make a change Saying sorry isn't enough. Trying harder isn't enough. You need to make a change tonight. Also, I'm going to ask those who are struggling with a performance-based identity. And man, I'll tell you firsthand, it sucks. It sucks. You'll be, you'll be happy for a moment, but then you're going to be left wanting more. Searching for your identity. And third, I'm going to ask for those who, man, you just recognize your life, has, you're just kind of lazy. <laughs> and you maybe you thought it was just a part of your personality trait, but it's not. It's not a part of your personality trait. It is a spirit. And you don't want, have, you want, you don't want anything to do with it. Hallelujah. If you recognize that you're struggling in any of these three areas, sin, performance-based identity or or, or laziness. I'm going to ask you, just stand in your feet. Stand to your feet, and we're going to pray for you tonight. Go ahead, all over this place. And ministry team, if you can come up here, just get ready to, to start praying. Yeah, there might not be enough time. <laughs> wow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for a spirit of excellence. Father, inwardly and outwardly, God, we thank you, Lord, for a spirit of excellence. And Lord, we just want to remove every weight of sin that entangles us. Father, we want to shift our mindset, God, to from a performance-based identity to a spirit of excellence rooted in sonship, God. So many people, they struggle with trying to find significance in the things that they're good at, but they don't realize that they're highly significant already. Father, give us that revelation, Father. And Father God, we just put away laziness, Father. We reject laziness, Father. We reject Laziness, Father. We say, spirit of laziness, get your hands off of me in Jesus' mighty name. I am not lazy. Some of you, you said I'm lazy. And you need to break that word curse over yourself. Actually, why don't you just repeat after me? I am not lazy. I, am not lazy. I break the curse that says I'm lazy. I renounce the power that came with it. I am excellent. I am steadfast. I am diligent. Hallelujah. Wow. That was awesome. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.